0: Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. The Lord is leading us by His gracious hand through this powerful book of Scripture written by the Apostle Paul to teach us by His grace how He desires for us to be in unity with one another. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10 this morning Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints, and there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Jesus, we pray your blessings upon this reading of Scripture and the preaching of the Word. May your name be exalted and glorified in it. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. As you're seated. Uh, This morning, I'm excited for what God is doing. Uh, The Lord is good to us. His mercies are renewed every morning. You messed up yesterday. His mercy is renewed for you today. And we thank God for that, and we rejoice in His favor, His goodness, and His mercy towards us today. I'm grateful for what God is doing About a month and a half or so ago, uh, I was gathering with uh, a group of uh, six or seven pastors that are part of uh, churches in Northern Albemarle and Greene County, and uh, we tried to gather together maybe about once a month or so simply for fellowship, maybe sharing from the word of the Lord, uh, encouraging one another, uh, talking about specifically the work of the Lord in our community, what God is saying to Uh, pastors and leaders and how God is moving. And one of the things that I have been blessed by is the spirit of unity of that group. And as we were praying together uh, about a month or a little more uh, ago, uh, the Lord moved in such a very uh, sweet way to encourage us to come together as a community uh, for a time of worship and intercession And to um, begin to seek the Lord for this area together, something that was already stirring uh, in our hearts. And God just confirmed that in a few moments that uh, we were together. And so. In order to kind of think about it and and plan about it, again, uh, one Tuesday evening, three or four weeks ago, we met around the table with some food in the back of the sanctuary here. We uh, invited them to come here for a planning session and some of their leaders uh, came and um, Brother Mike and uh, I were there and um, we were planning and uh, I... uh, texted Brother Mike from across the table. And I said, would you be willing uh, to lead us in a song of worship? And uh, he said, okay. And so as we kind of finished out some of the logistics, uh, we just gathered here at the front, um, maybe seven, eight, ten of us. And um, Brother Mike came to uh, the keyboard and began Uh, playing, and the Spirit of God moved in such a way that ministers were on their face before the Lord, just seeking and crying out to Him. Um, Guys whose tradition is not necessarily accustomed to seeking the Lord in that way. And uh, God moved both through you, Pastor Mike, and uh, the Holy Spirit used you that evening in a very, Very special way to where he was worshiping and trying to pass it back to uh, the ministers, but the Lord uh, just continued just a blessed time of intercession and seeking the Lord. And so out of that, uh, what came is that here on September the 30th, a Sunday night, uh, we're going to gather here with uh, brothers and sisters from some of those churches, and we're going to pray Uh, and seek the Lord together uh, for a time the next weekend that will be open to the entire community. Uh, That next weekend on Saturday evening, about 5 o'clock, up at uh, the Murphy Barn in Greene County, if you remember where we were July the 4th of last year uh, when we did the barn revival, we're going to be at the same location uh, this year. And we're simply doing it as simple as possible, Uh, a time of intercession prayer, um, maybe the ministry of the word of the Lord, but we're going to allow the spirit to move as the, the Lord desires. There will be some preaching, but we're not planning that. We're going to pray and at that moment, listen to the Lord. God, who are you moving upon to bring the word of the Lord to us? We want to earnestly seek the Lord together. We believe that God is stirring in our community. And as a church, we've been praying for that. We've been seeking the Lord for that. And we also have to understand that when God moves, he doesn't always move according to our preconceived ideas and notions. But sometimes the way in which God moves is a little different than what we're used to. Uh, It's a little uncomfortable for us. I have to go back and read the prophets in the Old Testament from time to time and think about how uncomfortable it must have been for some of them to do some of the things that God called them to do. And so we're going to earnestly seek the Lord as part of the broader community because we believe that it's not just Riverstone Church that God wants to move in. We pray, God, move here. God, do a work here. Start with us. Use us, God. We want to be part of it, Lord. Don't leave us out, oh God. But we also realize and know that there are many other brothers and sisters that God wants to use and God wants to stir. And if we want to see some of the things in our community change, if we want to see some of the things happen in our community that we desire to see happen according to the word of the Lord, we have to earnestly seek after the Lord and we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to be changed by the power of the Spirit. And so I pray that you will be in prayer about those times together, both on September the 30th and then on November the 5th. At 5 p.m. up at the barn, we'll need some help. We'll need some assistance and setup and other things Uh, on the days prior to that. I pray that you'll be part of that. But we are going to intercede and pray for what the Lord is doing and how God is going to move in our community. And I believe that we will be so glad we did. We'll be so glad that we did. This may have already been mentioned earlier, but pastorally, I simply want to uh, say two more things, share two more things. One, the marriage retreat on November 10th, 11th and 12th is coming up. I believe that God has uniquely gifted uh, our brother uh, Mark Miller to help in marriage ministry. Uh, now, you may say, my marriage is going great, praise the Lord, you need to be at the retreat. <laughs> you may say, my marriage is on the rocks, and I will say, we're praying for you, you need to be at the retreat. I know expenses are going up and everybody's budget is tighter. Retreat is 300 bucks. the church is helping with that expense, that includes two nights lodging and five meals, as well as all the curriculum, and the church is helping to bring that cost down for everybody. If you can't afford that, we will help you. We will help you. You can quietly let me know. Speak to Brother Mark. Let him know. But I want to encourage you. The strength of the family unit is important right now. It's always been important. But it is essential for a husband and wife to be unified and together. And if it is a believing husband and a believing wife, I am encouraging you to please make an effort and sign up and go. And do not let the finances be a reason for you to not go. It's that important. Whether you have children in the home, whether you're older and don't have children in the home, remember... The Lord talks to us about the marriage being a sign and symbol of Christ in the church. We have to be strengthened in that. I want to encourage you to sign up. RiverstoneChurch.net forward slash marriage will get you all the information that you need. I've really enjoyed this series. I pray you have, not because I've been preaching it, but because the Lord's just been focusing us in on Uh, unity of the church, I pray that you're growing in unity with the body of Christ here. I pray that you love one another more, that we love each other more, that we're being long-suffering and caring for one another. Let's not let any conversations or anything get in the way of what God wants to do. I don't hear anything. I don't know anything. (laughs) But I just want to warn us and encourage us ahead of time. Let's love one another with that Christian love that cares in such a way that God is glorified. The Apostle Paul in this passage continues to speak to us about how the church can remain in unity together. He encourages us to not give the enemy, when we talked about last week, a foothold in your life. By participating or by speaking or acting in ways that is unpleasing to the Lord, you can open the door to the enemy's work in your life by allowing bitterness and strife and anger and falsehood and some of these other things that the Apostle Paul talked to us about at the end of chapter 4. We can allow the enemy to get a foothold if we allow those things to continue. In verse 5, he speaks to us right off the bat and he says, be an imitator of God. Be an imitator of God. You and I are to be a reflection of God to the world around us as beloved children most often when parents have children you can look at the child and begin to see some features of the parents that are within the child you can look at the child and you may see uh, a nose or an ears or eyes that look like one of the parents there is a reflection back of the parents from the child the same way you and I, and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to reflect the Lord as beloved children. In the same way, we should, just like a child looks like a parent, the same way you and I also also ought to reflect the Lord in his character and how we live. And the apostle says to us, walk in love, movement moving forward. None of us have arrived at this moment. You're taking breath out of this room. God has a plan for you to continue to walk in love as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice and a fragrant aroma to God, the scripture says. To walk in love like Christ walked in love is to walk in love by being sacrificial, By giving, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. John and John 3, 16, we could all quote it together. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave. That is the character and the nature of God is that out of his love, he is a giving God. He is consistently giving because of his love. You and I also ought to reflect that character, the Apostle Paul says, by walking in love. This is why the Scriptures encourage us to be long suffering with one another. This is why the Scriptures encourage us to not carry bitterness and strife in our heart, but to walk in love. Give someone the benefit of the doubt, be willing to not be offended. Our culture gets offended about everything. There's nothing we can say or do with which there is not offense. And yet the Scriptures encourage us to be long-suffering, to not be easy to be offended, to walk in love, to give someone the benefit of the doubt, to give ourselves in service to others the calling, to be reflective of the character and deeds of the Lord to the world by loving and caring for one another. We put our love in action by the way that we treat one another, by the way we help one another, by the way we minister to other people. I can't tell you the amount of times that I have been ministered to uh, uh, through love by you. The character of Christ Working in you to where you minister in love, sometimes without even knowing it. An encouraging text at just the right moment. A card, a word from the Lord at just the right moment. Giving of ourselves, of our time, of our effort, of our energy to where we sacrifice for others. I see in this church often sharing of meals, giving of rides, serving with the children, praying quietly about the people and families who find themselves in challenge, loving people despite their background. This is the way the body of Christ should operate. That we love one another equally. We're willing to care, we're willing to sacrifice, we're willing to give when we see a need because we see just as the church in Acts saw that they brought everything together and distributed according to the need. It doesn't mean that there wasn't personal property, there was still personal property. But when people with personal property saw that there was a need, they acted. Hey, I've got this, I can help. I see your need, let me help you with your need. That's a testimony of this fellowship. The sacrificial kindness of God's people toward one another and toward the fellowship together. God has been so gracious and so kind to us. As we shared earlier in the service, we have asked God to bring us the broken. And the love and care that I see out of this congregation towards others who have been broken by the world is a testimony to the love of God at work. We have to care for people. Think of it like this. Which one of us would not have compassion if we saw a child outside being pummeled by an adult for no reason? We would want to engage and help and then care for the wounds of that child, and we would want to push back on the person who was trying to inflict pain. I want you to think of that in terms of the way the enemy seeks to come against the children of God. He seeks to beat them, discourage them, cause them to be bitter, Cause them to get caught up in habits that aren't productive and thoughts that aren't productive. The enemy just seeks to ravage people and cast them aside until there's no hope left. And you and I are called to be the church and called to see people outside of these four walls and through the power of the Spirit to seek to rescue them and to love them and to care for them and to bandage them and to help them. Because we've been helped. See, it's not simply that we've got it all together and we know everything that needs to be done. It's also because we have been wounded before and the church through the power of the Spirit has cared for us and loved us and been kind to us. And out of that heart of love, which was poured into us, we can then pour it into other people. So I pray again, God, bring us the broken. Bring us the broken. I was reading yesterday out of Matthew chapter 9. Jesus was having dinner. He was in the middle of tax collectors and sinners. And I think tax collectors were pointed out specifically because they're a very special class of sinner. The Religious leaders were looking at Jesus as he was having dinner with tax collectors and sinners. And they were puzzled. By Jesus eating with them and being associated with them. So in our culture. A lot of times eating with someone is not necessarily a big deal. If you were kind of having a meal with someone. And someone were to pass by and see. They wouldn't necessarily associate you with the actions of the person. That you were having the meal with. But in. This culture and this time to have a meal with someone was a very personal experience. To sit down and to break bread together was just an act of a very personal nature. And so for the Lord to have a meal with tax collectors and sinners and not think about what others would say should speak quite a bit to us, Jesus says to those who are puzzled by eating with tax collectors and sinners, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus was where the healing and the ministry needed to take place. Where he was was where the healing and the ministry needed to take place. God has called you and I to be that presence of the Lord here. And so when God brings us broken people, we have to act out of a spirit of sacrificial love. When we ourselves are broken, we desire for the church to act towards us in that sacrificial love. And that requires us To give, give of our time, give of our effort, give of our energy. And yes, sometimes that can become weary. We can become weary and it can become exhausting. But that's why it takes all of us together to do our part. I can't manage if God, as God, is bringing us broken people. I don't have the wherewithal to manage it myself, to manage each need and to take care of each need. The leaders of CR aren't able to care for it all and to do it all. We have to do it together. We must together recognize where there are needs in our congregation, in people's lives, joyfully and sacrificially meet those needs because that is the love of the Lord working in and through us. So we're at the beginning of chapter 5. Paul speaks to us in a very positive way about sharing the love of the Lord, what we're to do, how we're to love. But over the next several verses, he's going to share to us what we must avoid. There's things that we should do, but there's also things that we should avoid. <clears throat> it's, he's, he will speak both about what we desire, what we do, but also what we say, what comes out of our mouth. First, he says to us, be careful what you desire. There are certain things that must not be characteristic of Christians. And you may say, well, Brother Robert, now you are getting into legalism, telling us do's and don'ts of what we can and cannot do. Legalism is a means that people use in order to earn their salvation. So you're doing these things in order to be saved. What the Apostle Paul is saying, because you are saved, one of the marks of salvation is that you don't want to do certain things and you want to do other things that are pleasing to God. A mark of salvation in you, one of the ways that you can kind of gauge, take your temperature, is by what things do you want to do and what things do you not want to do or not want to participate in. And so he gives us a list of a few things here that we do not want to participate in, things that are not characteristic of Christians. The first is immorality. It comes from the Greek word pornia. It includes any sexual activity outside of marriage. I know I I have to be careful with young people in the room here. But essentially, this is sexual selfishness. What I can do for my benefit. Immorality. Looking for things that please me. Impurity. Anything morally vile or contrary to the will of God. Greed, anything that causes us to take advantage of others in order to get things for ourselves. Now I want you to already see the contrast in the first part of chapter 5 and these next few verses, starting with verse 3. In the first part of chapter 5, it is, Love has been sacrificially given to you. Therefore, sacrificially give that love to other people. Walk as children of God in love. Now we see these characteristics of the flesh which desire what? To take from other people in order to spend it on myself. That's how you are able to begin to judge your motives. Acting in love is focused towards others, a sweet-smelling aroma from your life, pleasing to the Lord. Acting contrary to the will of God is self-focused and creates a stench. And we're characterized by immorality, impurity, and greed. The apostle Paul goes so far as to say there is no inheritance in Christ. Remember, Paul was writing to believers. A pretty strong statement. Paul recognizes that these issues or concerns cannot be present in a believer. Yet he's still calling them out so that these things should never be named among us. I'm not so foolish as to think that there are not those who have named the name of Jesus, who have wept at the altar, who have accepted the Lord, as their Savior, who have been baptized in water, who have sought to walk in the ways of the Lord, who do not struggle in some of these areas. And one of the ways I would think that you can kind of test where you are with the Lord is where do you set your affections? Where is your heart? When you struggle, when you're tempted, when you're drawn away, when you stumble, where do you turn? Is your heart set towards these sins, desiring them, thinking about them, wondering how you can commit them? Or is your desire to walk away from sin, your affections on Jesus, desiring the Lord Jesus Christ, wanting to please Him, knowing that sometimes the enemy takes advantage, and when the enemy takes advantage of you, you're quick to repent and turn away and turn back to the Lord. Where are our affections? Again, not saying that we may not stumble from time to time, that we may not struggle from time to time. Paul is writing again. The second time I say to you, he's writing to believers. But we must be walking in such a way that these things are less and less characteristic of us. Now, I know of people who God has touched in a mighty way and certain struggles in their life. There has been an instantaneous sanctification of certain things in their life, that there have been certain struggles that they have had in the past, certain issues, certain challenges of things in the past that have been instantaneously taken away. But there are other things that they've had to walk along in the daily struggle knowing that there are certain places I can't go, certain things I can't look at, certain uh, certain things that I cannot purchase, certain opportunities that I can't go to. Because if I walk in that direction, it may be an occasion for stumbling. And so I want to continue to walk in the grace of the Lord, not in the ways of the world and immorality. Where do you set your affections? Where is your earnest desire. If you and I are driving uh, together and we are along the road and the gas gauge is full, we understand that the gas gauge will be depleted over time. If we don't do anything, if we don't stop, if we don't eventually get gas, you're going to start hearing that annoying little beep. The light and the ding, ding, And it's going to tell you that ding, 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 ding is saying, stop the car, stop the car, get gas, fill up the tank, fill up the tank. And if you say, ah, uh, it doesn't matter, you may hear a few little spark knocks along with the ding, 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 ding. And eventually you're going to stop and you're not going to move and everybody else is going to be going past you. The actions and the intents of the heart can be a measure for us when we begin to feel some of these things well up inside of us, when our attention and our affections begin to turn away from the Lord, when they begin to grow cold. What was once hot. See, Paul had to tell Timothy, stir up these gifts. Something, the embers had begun to grow cold. But you have to, Timothy, stir them up. The same thing as we seek to walk with the Lord, our affections can begin to grow cold and we can begin to enjoy some of the things of the world. And that is begins to be a sign that begins to be the ding, 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 ding. That begins to be the light that begins to be the spark knocking that begins to see when we don't see any spiritual progression anymore. We're just kind of sitting on the side of the road and somewhere, somehow, some way in those moments, we have to step back in and become full of the spirit. We have to, as one old saint said, I need to get to the spout where the glory comes out. I need to be at a place where the power of God is moving. I need to be at a place where I'm understanding the word of the Lord and God is working and moving. I need to be filled once again with the fire and the power of the Spirit that my affections are set back on the Lord Jesus Christ. When we begin to see things in our life that are not characteristic of a Christian, when we begin to see immorality, when we begin to see greed, when we begin to see desires that are not proper, that is the turning of the gasket that says come back to me the lord desires for us to be free from the things of the past and we have to recognize when our affections begin to move off of christ and to the things of the world that that should be a warning to run back to the lord Paul encourages actions in keeping with the character of Christ, but he also, it's interesting here, he also encourages language and conversation in keeping with the character of Christ. See, we can always talk about the moral things that we kind of would all probably generally agree on, that these things are probably not good, it's not good for us to do these things. And just an aside, the things that God calls sin, are not simply sin because God just says, hey, I don't like those things. I don't want you to do them Uh, today. I I really don't like those things. Don't be doing those things anymore just because I don't like them. God knows human nature and the things that he calls sin, he calls sin so that we will not get entangled with them because they lead us down a path to destruction. And so sin is... Showing us what sin is, is God's grace to us, to warn us, because he wants us to walk in a path of grace and blessing in Christ. Not only our actions, but also our language and conversation. We have to be careful what we say. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather Giving of thanks. We should not participate in language that is not characteristic of Christians. Filthiness here could also be translated vulgarity. It's the only spot where it appears in the New Testament. And it refers to speaking about what shames someone else. Using words that curse. Talking in a vulgar manner about others in either a specific a single person or a general way. Making jokes about people, talking about people in ways that are not pleasing to the Lord. Silly talk, talk which has no merit. The specific word here would translate foolish talk. The language of fools. We want to train ourselves and our children away from foolish talk. At times, heard parents excuse the behavior of a child by simply saying, oh, they're just little. Well, we're not training children to be children. We're training children to be adults. We're training girls to be young women and mothers and leaders. We're training men to be, or boys to be young men, to be leaders. We're training them. We're not trying to teach them how to be kids forever. We're trying to call them up to womanhood, godly womanhood and godly manhood. And so we want to move away from silly talk, foolish talk, the language of fools that's not pleasing to God, coarse jesting, humor that is in bad taste. The literal rending, rendering here is smutty talk. Is not to be named among believers as it degrades other people. Again, whether it Specific towards one person or generally towards a group of people. Words and language that should not be named among them. And the way that we're to overcome this is by giving thanks. The way that we're over to come, some of these things that may come from our mouth is to let thanksgiving be on our lips. An attitude of appreciation helps us to overcome the issue of the heart that spouts forth filthy talk. Silly language and coarse jesting. Thanksgiving recognizes the good which has already been done for us. It allows us to rest in the present moment with joy and with peace. Moving from impure actions, moving away from impure talk. It says in verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the son of disobedience. And so it's important to know and to understand that there are people who are going to say, these things are okay. God doesn't really care what you do. He doesn't truly care what you say or what comes out of your mouth. I say a little cuss word from time to time. Have you heard this funny joke? I have this one habit that I just can't break, but God knows my heart. And there will be people who come along and say, brother and sister, it's okay. God knows who you are. God knows your heart. It's okay to remain right where you are. And God loves you just like you are. And they'll take the language of Scripture, and what that says when someone says that to you is, just remain where you are. Just, just stay just like you are, God loves you. And that's not anywhere in the Scripture. In fact, there is continual movement in this Scripture walk in love, move forward in love, leave some things behind, move forward in love. Does God love you right where you are? He loves you right where you are, but he wants you to move forward. That's what his word says. He wants you to leave some things behind. He wants you to not get caught up in certain language. He wants you to not get caught up in certain things. Some things that you're participating in today, God is saying, leave those behind and walk in love. I would hope that over the next two months that I'm growing in the grace of the Lord. That I'm more sanctified tomorrow than what I am today. That I'm learning some lessons about my attitudes, my character, my action today that will impact how I live tomorrow by the grace of the Holy Spirit. That today the Holy Spirit is revealing to me what my thoughts are, what my language is, and how it needs to change for tomorrow. And by the grace of the Holy Spirit, I walk in God's favor and in his mercy and in his kindness for one more day in sanctification. See, I can't stand right here and not think about what I've been doing, what I've been thinking, and to say, oh, God knows all that. I just, I can't deal with all that right now. i got so much other stuff going on. There's a reason the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to believers. And he tells us, don't be deceived by people who tell you differently. Don't be deceived by people who say, it's okay for you to live in immorality, impurity, or greed. It's okay for you to have filthy language, silly talk, and coarse jesting. It's okay for you to do those things. The Apostle Paul would say to us, no, it's not. Because that is characteristic of the sons of disobedience. And the sons of disobedience are subject to the wrath of God. And you don't want to participate or associate with those who are the sons of disobedience. You want to walk in love. That used to be our former life where we enjoyed those things. We liked those things. We were happy in those things. But now that we are in Christ, our affections are set on him. And I want to be better tomorrow than what I am today through the power of the spirit. I have a heart because of what God has done for me today. that tomorrow I want to please him so much more because I love him more today than what I did yesterday. So I want you to hear me and I want you to understand the difference in what I'm talking about. Legalism will say to you, I have to do A, B, C, and D in order for God to smile upon me, in order, for, for to, be, in order to be saved, in order to please God. That's not what we are talking about. What we are talking about is when you come into relationship with Jesus, God accepts you where you are. You're not a Christian yesterday. Today you profess the name of Christ. God accepts you in that moment where you are. But we believe there is a miraculous change in your life where you're, you were in darkness, and now you are in light. And as you have, as it has been revealed to you, as God has shined light both in your heart and on his word, now your affections are set upon him. And so now as I stand on my first day of my salvation, tomorrow I want to leave behind some of the things that were two days ago. I'm going to make an effort. Not because I feel like it saves me, but because my affections are on Jesus. I want to be as much like Jesus as I can. I'm going to get those words out of my mouth. I'm going to get those thoughts out of my head. God, help me today to be better than what I was four days ago. God, help me today to be better than what I was five days ago. Help me, Lord. He says in this passage... Try to learn what is pleasing from the Lord. In the beginning, walk in such a way. Now it is try to learn. Take the activity, the volition of your will, and try to learn and understand what is pleasing to the Lord. We simply don't come to Christ and then sit on the pew or preach behind the pulpit the way we've always been. I would hope that my life changes as a pastor. I'm a very imperfect person. I would hope tomorrow I'm a little better than today. We must progress, grow in our walk with the Lord. A little translation of this passage is test what is pleasing to the Lord. Grow in discernment about the things that are going on around you. Learn what is happening. There are false teachers who will arise, and their words will seem correct, but their actions will not accord with a changed life in Christ. Discern if someone is growing in the grace of the Lord. Discern if you are growing in the grace of the Lord. And therein lies, I believe, the thrust of this message for us as a church. And I'd like us to come to the place of prayer over this specific point. One of the gifts of the Spirit that I believe is lacking in my own life and also in the church is the gift of discernment. Having an understanding of what is going on, and there are times where I have missed it sorely. I've missed, maybe through disobedience, maybe through lack of understanding, maybe through any number of reasons, missed the voice of the Holy Spirit of what is happening in a specific moment or season of time. And that gift must be recovered in our day. We must be a church that discerns because when God brings into our fellowship people who have been broken by the world, we can sit here and help Multiple things in their life, but we also need to pinpoint and understand exactly what is going on. And we can only do that by the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the gift of spiritual discernment must be operational and at work in the church. Even this week, I've prayed, God, help me to have a discerning heart, to know when situations and circumstances are happening, exactly what is going on behind them. What is transpiring? What spiritually is going on in this situation? And so as we pray together, that's what I would ask that we would pray in unity together for ourselves and for this church, that this church would have a discerning spirit about it. Because if we are discerners of what is going on, then we can help people all the more effectively. Let's stand together.